Living in the, in the city, we meet five women with different journeys coming together to meet Alicia and Vicky in search of a Young Vic podcast experience. Six characters in search of an author. The 1921 play by Corinne Darrell came to mind. Theatre can be on the street. You don't have to be in the Young Vic room to feel it, but certainly being in that room helps. From Wales, from France, from Brixton, from Lambeth, from Peckham, from Waterloo and Southwark. We are here now, thanks to Neighbourhood Theatre taking part. 25 years of being there for us. The journey, as C.P. Cavafy, poet, said in his poem Ithaca, it's not the destination, but the journey that counts. So I will go this way to say your name and where you were born. Hi, I'm Anne Jean-Baptiste, and I was born on the island of St. Lucia, which is in the Caribbean. Lovely place. Wish I could go back there now. <laughs> um, I've been here for, well, here I say London. I've lived here for more than 50 years. I was very young when I came here, mind you, so I'm not going to let my age out. You know, I still have been here for 50 years. My name is Nancy, and I was raised in Boston. And I spent a lot of time when I lived in Boston going to theater groups to take part in not professional theater groups, but with a lot of enthusiasm. And I moved to London 30-odd years ago and love the theater. And part of why I'm here is because I'm a single woman. I feel as an independent single woman, there's a safety, gentle factor to life here that gives me the sense that I have more independence than I do in other places that I've lived around the world. So I'm Marilyn and I came to London. My grandmother lived in Neasden and so I remember going to the Serpentine before I was five. But I'm London Welsh and um, Welsh part was was a bit of performance because we used to get involved in community carnivals and community pantomimes. And if they said, does anyone here want to come up? I would have my hand up. So I'm still participating. And I've lived in London and 40 odd years in Brixton. So I feel I'm local enough to be young Vic. Hello everyone. Uh, My name is Beatrice Colbron. I'm French. Uh, I left my country, France, thinking that I would repeat some sort of happiness elsewhere. But living next to the Young Vic Theatre and be able to see fabulous productions. The best one I've seen was A Season in the Congo, about one of my heroes, Patrice Lumumba. See, what's the favourite thing you've seen at the Young Vic? Yerma was one that mm-hmm. really surprised me that mm-hmm. I was so enamoured with Billy Piper's performance. And the other one was the jungle. I was so moved by the jungle. I was so moved that I was telling everybody about it. And one thing that was interesting for me about that was that I took as a guest a woman who is a theater voice coach who had been teaching at university level in the United States. She had only been there two years. but She didn't know what the jungle was. And when she saw this, I realized the importance and the impact that theater can have about social issues. It really, really struck me. And I followed where the jungle was going to be going. 
can it get to America? And I understood that Stephen Daltrey was involved with it. So because he was leading it, it was possible that it would get some recognition and notoriety. And it did. It went to a small theater in San Francisco and in Brooklyn, New York, from what I understand. I don't know where it is now, but I'd like more of those kinds of things because it hugely stimulated all of us in the audience. And I thought about it for months, even years, after I saw it here. Yeah, the, the jungle is one that came to mind when you said that because um, I remember, I think Bingo was the one I came to first back to the Young Vic. That was about Shakespeare and had Patrick Stewart. The fact that you had actors performing so close to you that you knew, uh, the Young Vic has an intimacy sometimes the bigger theatres don't have and you're miles away from seeing them. Um, but the jungle, because it was in, um, interactive and what's the word, immersive, mm. the dust coming off the street, it, you had to remember what it was like for the people being trafficked. And I thought it was an amazing performance. And others that I've seen recently have, have stayed in my mind. But not only the, on the Young Vic stage, but things like the, um, the, state, uh, the designers and theatre directors have made in taking part and from um, uh, um, <laughs> Shireen Jasmine Phillips, yes. his love reign. It, was, it opened up the idea to the younger audience, I feel, mm. in a way that um, I now realise. You said you loved theatre from, you know, when you first went, when you first participated. It's that sort of thing that changes lives. And that's what uh, I think is happening in the Young Vic. It's funny, because the thing I remember seeing at the Young Vic is way back in the 70s, Oedipus Rex. Oh. And I was, at the time, studying Hamlet, so it was quite... Um, interesting that there was this real classic thing um, playing at the Young Vic and I could come and see it you know and um, and it was just so open to everybody and um, you, you were just there you know astounded at this you know like, I like what you said about intimacy that the fact that you could almost reach out and touch the players and it wasn't this sit back and watch but don't you know don't say anything. Um, a few years ago when FGM which is um, female genital mutilation was quite a big issue. Mm. Uh, FGM, yes. Yeah, FGM, sorry. Um, there was a play here about it. Wow. With some young children, young women from school, and they were just so amazing. Mm. And it just made me cry. Do you remember what it was called? Um, for the life of me, I can't. Mm. But it was about two young women um, who one had had it done and one was having it done, and they didn't know that about each other, but they found out when they went to the auntie who was doing it, yeah, and one was there, and one had come to have it done, and it was just this the secret you know this um as a woman um when you sit there and you think about, you know, how brutal, uh, you know, this thing is and it's being done to a small girl. And my daughter was younger then and we came together and we just cringed and, um, and, and cried and cried a lot because we just couldn't believe this was happening before our eyes, you know, you almost, it wasn't a play anymore, it was, it was just this thing that was happening. Um, 
this mutilation of young, of young women, um, really touched me. Did you, did, did you see it? I see it. I see it. Mm. Yeah. I can see you're both quite moved. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, in fact, it, it led me as a, a lawyer uh, practicing with hours at that time to inquire about the the legality of this practice, which is banned in France. You can be sued for doing that to anybody on, in the territory. But here, it was not banned. Only one case to this uh, to this day has been prosecuted, and it's been only very lately that the British government has sort of interfered or controlled or done something. So I, I guess that there are many, many still practiced quite widely in this country. I think it's very important that actually um, African women, some of them have um, really. Um, become activist against that. I think the the, the model Iman, I think, you know, is, has spoken often against this. I think it just shows that, um, you know, from both of you speaking, the power of fear and what it can do. Yeah. The fact that it's something you've seen so long ago that it can still evoke an emotion mm. now. Like, that's the fear I want to see more that can make somebody not necessarily cry, I'm not trying to make everyone cry a bit, but that can evoke an emotion that makes, um, that's so visceral. So I feel it would be interesting to hear kind of what was your first kind of encounter with taking part as a department and um, how did you get here? You know, what, how did you hear about taking part? How did you get involved? And I'll start with Marilyn. <laughs> okay, um, I was desperately trying to think of what was that <laughs> that had caused me to go to the theatre in the days and uh, it's, memory as an older person starts to wane so the last <laughs> thing that one's seen always stays in your mind and then something you saw 40 years ago stays in your mind and the bits in between sometimes get lost but what it's really helpful for is the theatre is to think about the speeches and my journey came from um, writing a bit um, in a 16th theatre in Brixton they do some creative writing and out of that somebody I know also had done the Young Vic taking part playwriting yeah. so apart from coming to the theatre I never thought I'd write a play but within two years of lockdown and folks I think we met a lot of people in Zoom on lockdown <laughs> some of our year today it was so uh, amazing journey that journey took me from a, a a very strange place in the world of we are all separate and we're all having to deal with this um, to being engaged with others so I think um, that journey from Brixton to the Young Vic and on buses and tubes I talked about the river and we talked about the river and I did tape a bit of the journey on the bus and the tube because uh, it's opened up ways of doing things you know I, you can get involved in lots of things through the Young Vic's taking part I'm trying to remember exactly. The backstory is that I had always wanted to be involved with theater production, mm -hmm. and my mom wouldn't let me, <laughs> except on the weekends. I won't have a daughter doing that, and you can't make a living doing that. And I was yearning. Anyway, fast forward, I moved here to the UK, and I think I was so in survival mode and using all my courage maybe for that, that I ended up not going to theater school and just hacked away at 
helping people because that was what I knew I was good at and that's what I had skills and qualifications in. But when I moved to this area, to Southwark, somehow it became known to me that the Young Vic was here and it acted very much as I remember as a community center. And I went one time when I was emailed and welcomed to come to something that was almost, I think it was actually, an audition. There were people whose full-time job was theater work who were there next to me and my picture got taken and I got a little badge and got (laughs) moved into a room and got doing all these exercises. And I saw that I was in the company of some very talented people who had just congregated as well as learning that the musical director that was chosen to come here was a a, a professional beyond words. Mm. And I did, evidently, he wanted me to be involved. Somehow I got welcomed to be involved further. And what I learned was what we were doing had its origin in a very socially conscious situation. So it had to do with the memory Uh, People who were professional people who had lost memory, who had Alzheimer's or dementia, and somebody had gone, somebody associated with the Young Vic had gone to interview them, to hear about their lives, what they did prior to this time when they were not 100%. And those stories were then taken by a young woman who was the poet laureate young woman of the year, or something who lived in Brixton. And she wrote stories off of what these people had said, almost like poetic stories, almost like poetry. And then it was given to this guy who was such a talented musical director. They collaborated and made songs about the stories of each of these people's lives. It was very, very moving. And I got invited to participate in a play that was put on at the Young Vic. It took so much energy and so much concentration. What was it called? What was it called? Do you remember? <laughs> sing, be- sing, sing Before, before you, speak. you Sing Before You Speak. Ah. I still have the words to the songs I put on in my car. Yeah. And I try to remember the songs and sing the songs because A, they were so moving to begin with these lives of these people who could no longer afford to even keep the lights on. So they put the tea kettle on in one room and shut off the lights in the other so that they could afford the electricity for the tea kettle. I was taken, just as one of the actors, I guess, or the singers in this play, through and inside the lives of these people was so moving for me. And I will never forget the challenge that it created. And even though I felt like I had it down, how hard my heart was beating the night of the performance and how nervous I was until we really got into it. And then we were swept away like a surfer on a wave. It was very beautiful. Wow. The Young Vic has been just amazing for me this this theatre that's in the middle of your community that welcomes people from Southwark and Lambeth and you live in Southwark so therefore you've got automatic entry this is, <laughs> this is, this is so good you don't have to go with your begging bowl and, and ask to come you know you go and you're welcome um, I've always been interested in theatre performance and song and dance and movement and all that sort of thing 
And interestingly, my daughter, her, um, you know, when my children were young, we used to go to lots of different performances um, at different, different theatres in England, or in London, been up to sit um, to Stratford-upon-Avon because, you know, we like Shakespeare and that sort of thing. And as my daughter got older, she became very involved in performing arts and actually went on to do a performing arts degree. And so she just kept seeing things and sending them to me and saying, well, why don't you do this? Why don't you do that? And I was thinking, I don't want to do what you do. And I was very involved in my career. Um, and it took a lot of time and bringing up children and, you know, housework, housewife, children. Um, I thought I didn't have time for theatre. But it turns out I did. I made time for theatre. So when um, Taking Part came on and we were invited um, to come and tell us story as it was and, and I was very interested, very nosy, very interested in other people's stories so it was a bit like, ooh, this sounds good, ooh, that sounds even better. And you know that whole thing about um, you hadn't thought of something and someone brings something up and you're puzzled and you go away and you think about it and, and you look it up because, you know, that's somebody else, you know, it's about, not about me, it's about us. And that's what I like about the Young Vic, it, it is very much about us. Mm. It's yeah. not about you and it's not about you, it's, a, it's not about me, it's about us. Mm. And to celebrate us is amazing and continues to be amazing, mm. do you know? Do you know? And so every time I'm involved in something, I mean, this is a first podcast. I've heard of them. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? But never been involved or even thought I'd be involved. Um, and through the Young Vic, I've taken up other things to do with performance. That's just been totally amazing. Like when the Windrush came up, there was going to be a performance at the Westminster Abbey. And again, my daughter sent me this link, said, you need to get onto that. Mm. And I thought, nah. But I did. Mm. And I met this amazing director. And, um, you know, he just taught me lots. And in front of 2,000 people in the, in the Westminster Abbey, I performed. And I was like, wow, mm. is that me? Mm. And it was with a group of young people who were really embracing. Mm. And that's what theatre is for me. Um, this whole thing about embracing others or other people, you know, and becoming part of other rather than sitting outside looking in, mm. you know, so, 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 so for me it's like I'd encourage everybody, I tell everybody, come along, <laughs> you know. Come it, along. Yeah, it really is good. Yeah. And, and, you know, when you're an older person, it's also just a, this amazing thing, um, you know, people talk about having a second wind, a second career, a second, all this. It's a, it's a continuation, not a second. Mm. But it's also about arriving at a place where you can do the things you always wanted to do. Mm. Because, you're not, you know, the nine to five has dropped off. And, um, and it's not waiting for Godot or waiting to die. It's about having a life. And I think the young Vic offers me that to react to what yeah, Anna yeah. said because I absolutely share your feelings there and I think it's never too late in life to start mm -hmm. a second career 
or as in my region in France, to start skiing. You know, I saw people who were retired starting on their skis in the mountains. I think you can start any 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 time really. Um, what can I say about the young big? Yeah, um, I'm not sure about sort of. Deep friendships and so on. Life has proved me that deep friendship, real friendship, is very uh, hard to find. I do mix up with a lot of people from different backgrounds, and um, always notice that in the end, um, you know, you can be disappointed, and not many of these links uh, may remain. So I'm not as optimistic as you are, you know, about the human, um, humankind. Um, also because I've seen people in disease, I've lost uh, loved ones to AIDS and to cancer, um, much too, too much in my life and just hear people flee, uh, go away when you're somebody sick, you know, so it's, true friendship is something different. As for my debut with the taking part, I happened to live next to the theatre, so I passed this theatre as soon as I arrived in this country every day and went to see a few plays and just uh, realised they were doing some workshops and asked to be placed on the mailing list and um, attended many wonderful workshops with our um, movement, um, Teacher Corinne, which I, I want to thank again, so Corinne Meredith. Is the most wonderful uh, teacher on the planet, really, with uh, people who are, you know, not easy with their bodies or so on. She's also ever so understanding when she does her movement classes. I remember Blood uh, Wedding by Federico Garcia Lorca, which was one of my main memories of the, the, the taking part things I was invited to, because I love the story of this poet who died young. He was homosexual and he loved I know a lot of gay men that very close to. And in the political context, it was also very interesting because I think a play, for me, has to have a political meaning in the end or something, you know, demonstrate something really. Um, even uh, humoristically, it has to make a meaning. Although I like light shows, but I think it's good when there is something more to be, to be thought of. Yeah. Wow. Um. Anything that you might have found challenging within theatre, you know, the kind of challenges of even accessing theatre, or the challenges of working in groups, or the challenge of you know finding your tribe or finding your home once you got here. When you came from where you had lived and moved to this place, how did you find your tribe and your, your the, you know where did you find comfort? My family were very church going, and so my comfort was within the church, um, you know, every Sunday. Religiously, religiously, you know what I mean. Um, but also the church provided uh, opportunities for singing and performing and um, taking part in sports that wasn't available um, in the mainstream for a child who had come from the Caribbean. Um, so church was very important. It offered solace in, in ways, um, not just in godly ways, but in other ways that you, you couldn't find outside. Um, what or, church did you go to? Oh, the local Catholic, what else? <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I mean, um, I came from an island where at the, at the time was 90 plus percent Catholic. Mm. So therefore it was just automatic. Um, 
the other things um, that I found solace was always, you know, um, I think you mentioned, um, you mentioned about carol singing at Christmas. Well, my church did that. So we went carol singing and, um, and, and, and you know, all, all those old carols you remember, I mean, maybe they had a different tempo, yeah. but you remembered them and you sang them and it made you feel good. And for the Caribbean community, um, getting together was a really big part of our existence. So weekends was about cooking um, because people were visiting you or going to visit others and all the children would get fed and the parents would just party all, you know, all evening. Oh, but in that time, you would be able to sing all the songs you knew from home and talk about the people you knew and, um, and all the dances, you know, and, and everything new that came from, from home, people shared. So if there was a new song or a new record that was being played, you know, and we'd all learn the dance, you know. So, um, so song and dance and telling stories uh, was very important to my existence because if I didn't have those, what did I have? I didn't belong. And so my belonging was elsewhere. And in those little niches at the weekend, whoever you visited on Saturday and Sunday, that's where you went to charge your battery. It was like being that mobile phone that lost its battery power. And you went in and you plugged in and you took part and then you came out fully charged or as fully charged as you could be. But working, what did you do when you, was it was a housewife, as you said, housewife? Oh no, come on. No, Can you see me as a housewife? I did look, I, I started off being a secretary because I thought, oh well, that sounded really good, you know. And it was good in lots of ways because I worked for some amazing people who did some amazing things, you know. One particular person was very um involved in football at a time when football didn't mean anything to me. So I learned a lot about football and football league um, working for that person but um, he started doing things like I needed um, he'd write um, things for the newspaper um, and I ended up writing them but he was getting the byline right. and I thought time to move <laughs> time to move but I was also interested in people um, so I started working in the youth clubs and um, you know doing that kind of evening, afternoon stuff, during, um, um, play, play stuff during the summer holidays and eventually went on to do social work where I stayed until retirement. <laughs> <laughs> couldn't, couldn't get out of it. I wanted to, but just couldn't. Um, so on one level, I really enjoyed that part of me that enjoys helping others was being fulfilled. But I think the part of me that could have enjoyed um, doing things that were for me weren't being fulfilled. And so that's my journey now. Family, obviously, when you've got children and you've got a family, you create it around you. For me, I created it back in London. My family's in Wales. But the point about carnival, a community I brought with me and joined into the area I live in. So that became a thing. But women's work, women's art were things I did as an artist. I was trained as an artist. And then inclusion and teaching inclusion and bringing people to galleries was part of my working life. Uh, performing and not blowing my own trumpet 
I supported lots of people, and you also mentioned that, and I know that Nancy does it in health-related issues, um, and I know Beatrice does, and I'm sure Deborah does as well, um, you in, in uh, Beatrice in, in your legal profession. So uh, I think we all, people that bring what we've got, our talents, to others as well, that seems to me what links us as five or six different women in the room, <laughs> and... Um, yeah, so I just think that um, what we do from now on for ourselves is what we've got to leave to the next generation and hopefully health in your case, I'm saying this looking at Nancy, she's got <laughs> to respond because um, health and well-being has been, I had a stroke so I have had to ad- address that earlier on than I thought I would, at least I've got the time now to do it. But I think um, working with younger people with disabilities, all that the young Vic can do, the theatre art does, creativity does. So that's where I want to be in the future. When you arrived, you came from the US and you came here. Where did you find your tribe, your, your comfort, people who made you feel good? Or like that sense of belonging. So tell me if I'm wrong. When you touch soil of, of, of your land where you was born, there's such a feeling of connection. So my my dad is Jamaican, so I'm half Nigerian and half Jamaican. And the first time I went to Jamaica, I've never felt more like I was at home. Mm-hmm. Like that feeling. So when you when you came from the US and you came here, was there anywhere that made you feel like I'm home? I liked the trees. For some reason, when I started living here, I noticed that the trees had this personality. Whichever part of London I went or outside of London I went, the trees spoke to me. They seemed old and wise, as if they had been watching for centuries. (laughs) And then whenever I feel out of sorts or out of balance or alone, I'd go visit the trees and hang out with them. They were my people, and they still seem to be. I remember once I went to Russia and just leaving the airport in the car, looking at the trees along the highway. The trees were totally a different personality than the trees in England. And yet, there is something warm grandfather-like and familiar here about what grows in our parks, in our nature, that seems to hold me. And that's really what my comfort zone is. That's so beautiful. I think it's so nice to think about the things that... Um, it's the little things, isn't it? I feel like a lot of the time like, you can disregard some of the stuff that's just happening and growing around us. Um, it's beautiful that you saw that. Um, and Beatrice, where did you find your tribe? I know you speak a lot about kind of when you first got here, you found it quite difficult with people. But even if taking part as an example of finding somewhere, where did you feel like you had comfort? that I should, you know, um, have negative comments about this country and so on. But I find that certainly the people were very different. I find the society was terribly class-ridden, totally contrary to the equalitarian aims we have in Europe. My mother was only half French. She was mainly Scandinavian, so if you go to Scandinavia, Still now, you'll see that they really reach a social policy um, quality. There's a little gap between the ones who earn a lot and the one who doesn't earn 
a lot, you know, they have restricted all these differences in a beautiful way. Of course, I love the French because that was my dad's. Um, I was brought up in French, I felt totally French. I think we have a wonderful quality of life and therefore, when I felt so much rejected in this country, so I found refuge, guess what, with my compatriots and all the um, foreign people known as expats in this country. You name it, Germans, Scandinavians, Spaniards, Americans, and an adopted family who comes from Goa, so it's an Indian family. I found a second mother who is Indian, actually, from Goa, with a mixture of... Um, Portuguese culture, Christian culture, and um, uh, the Britishness they adopted um, once moving uh, here and with the history of India, of course. So that's how I find um, uh, affection here. Mm. I have to say, all my attempts to develop uh, friendships with the locals have been reduced to zero, and I was immensely disappointed all the time, basically. So, in the end, you always remain, you know, the different frog who's got values and we're much more direct and so on. It's always impossible to know what people think of you. So, in the end, my way of survival has just been to renounce to be um, loved. And I do my life here in a sort of independent uh, independent um, attitude, meaning that I will enjoy the ones who love me, that's, mm -hmm. but uh, don't care about the ones who don't care about me, basically. Mm -hmm. So, that's it. I live among the foreigners and French. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's always good to resume. I, I feel like it's always important to, to have your tribe. You know, you, you need to know who your people are, all truths, you know, whatever it is that makes you feel like you are safe and you are at home, I think is super important. Yes, Francais, and she's going back to France because she believes Brexit was really bad for her. Being a woman of colour and French, However, she's given so much to her community, as you have done, I'm sure. And I think if people give, they're, they're never going to lose friends. She has a friends here and family. So you do have the young Vic, I think, yeah. is a family. Oh, well, yeah. I, I, as somebody said when we had the, yeah. that neighbourhood theatre um, interview audition, as yeah. <laughs> Nancy said, um, a man next to me in the group said, uh, I don't know what the word community means. I don't, and I thought, you're in the. You, this is your. This today, this minute, now, mm. is your community. So you have got one, whether you're married or not. This is this is the exception which confirms the rules, as we say. Because Challenging. The biggest people in this country like to take, 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 but they don't give back. That's no, the problem. No, no, I disagree. I'm sorry. I have to stand up for yeah. the only. Born in Britain, Welsh. <laughs> Are you aware of this? Yeah. And the Welsh have a community sense, not all of them, but you've got people of all sorts, I have to say. I've been to Boston, I like Boston, uh, but America is a different world from here. They speak the same language. Kind of. Black, white, Asian, diaspora from the world. That's where we are right here now we have to get on and we have to understand it's 
there's a two-way thing going on as well. Yeah, I like. I, I know you like to teach lessons anyway, so I'm not, <laughs> I'm not taking your lessons anymore. I'm sorry. It's just based on my experience. Yeah. In How 20 years, I don't have a single white English friend. So what can I say? I think I'm quite sociable. That's I have American a, friends. I have uh, friends from the exactly, island. That's your experience. But but, but 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 I do think one of the things about when we meet is the the young Vic, you know, neighbourhood theatre, is that we do have an opportunity. I mean, it's it's a bit big and cumbersome sometimes, but because you meet people again and again, and I think over the years you meet people again and again, you do have then the off opportunity to forge different links. Um, I sometimes <coughs> find it too big and cumbersome because I want to talk to everybody. Um, and I and you can't. You talk to that that one, and you talk to that one, and you say to that one, and, and you just don't get to do the round. Um, but this is an opportunity, actually, for us to exchange ideas and to see each other's point of view and feel each other's point of view too. I've done that all my life. Yeah. All my life, not only with the English, with mm. the whole world, <laughs> and I have friends in the whole world, but not here. Sorry. Yeah, it's fine. I think it's. I think that is that is people, and that is life. We will all meet different people. We will all have different experiences. Some of us will connect better with certain people, and some mm. of us it might take us longer to find our friends we'll and connect to whoever, and that's fine. Like, if you live here, you should have a local theatre, regardless whether you enjoy theatre or not. You should know that if you want to come in and have a coffee, you can. If you want to come and watch a show, you can. If you want to come and find out more about what's happening, you know that like when we came through the office and mm. that it should be accessible to people. People should know about it. So I think. Oh, go on. Yeah, I'm going to ask you a question. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> right. Yeah, you went out and spoke to people. So you've been here a year. Mm. So how have you found it yourself, mm. taking part with us all? You tell us. We put you on the spot. <laughs> Last one. Oh, great, great question. <laughs> one thing I've really loved, so before I worked at the Young Vic, um, a lot of my practice as a producer had been working with young people. So a lot of my kind of focus was around people who were within theatre, I don't know why, but under 25. You know, that was the realm of what I was working in. And then when I started working with the Young obviously I applied for the job and all of the work is 25 plus. And I think it's that realisation and the penny dropping of how important this work is. I'm not saying that young people work isn't important, but it has really opened up my realm and my world to the issues and the people who are over the 25 plus mark, who are 50 plus, 60 plus, 70 plus, 80 plus, and who are really so exciting, so inspiring, so iconic, so legendary. Like there's, there's such a breadth of all of you that I learned from every single one of you. And that's something that I, I couldn't learn that anywhere else. So I think what I've really loved is that community spirit. I love when I see people and, and it's genuine. And I know it's genuine because I feel it. When people see me and they smile, like they're happy to see me. Sometimes working with young people, they're not happy to see me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't get the joy, but when, with everyone I connect with in Neighbour Theatre, when they see me, their face lights up. You know, and I, I love that feeling. It feels really feels really connected. You really nailed it. You said exactly 
this is a it's a community here it's a hub thanks for listening to the journeys podcast this podcast has been created by members of the neighborhood theater company at the young vic theater in this episode you've been listening to Anne Jean-Baptiste, Beatrice Coubron, Nancy Silverstein, Marilyn Rogers, and Neighbourhood Theatre producer, Alicia Archery. This episode has been edited by Vicky Olasanya. To learn more about Neighbourhood Theatre Company at The Young Vic, please check out our website on www.youngvic.org forward slash taking hyphen part. Or you can follow us on Twitter at YV taking part.